I'm Jason Klom. Gaziza, I'm Alan Rickards. Your last name is Rickard? And we are the hosts of Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast. Oh, hi. It's one of your hosts, Jason Klom. I wanted to do a quick little intro for this episode of Dispatches from Fort Awesome. This is our long-awaited, for us anyway, you guys didn't know it was coming for so long, uh, interview with James Burroughs, who obviously directed the first season of News Radio, as well as a few others uh, in the second season. And uh, beyond that, of course, co-created Cheers, has directed a little bit of just about every show you might think of as the greatest shows of the last 30 years. We got to go to his office, interview him about news radio. Now, the funny thing is, uh, and you'll you'll get to this pretty quickly, he's a very honest guy, and when we asked him about news radio, he was honest about how much he remembered and didn't remember. So a lot of this ends up being about directing, um, about his method, and you know, we, we do you know bring it back to news radio here and there. Um, but you know, it's not entirely going to be a news radio episode, but we couldn't pass up this opportunity. And he was very gracious with his time being the busiest director in television. Um, so it was a lot of fun and it's a, it, it was a ton of fun to do. And I think you guys will enjoy it. And we do talk about news radio quite a bit. So obviously let us know what you think, you know, email us freakzilla at scopenet.com tweet at us WNYX news radio etc etc um so i hope you guys enjoy this and without further ado enjoy our interview with james burroughs this is jason Klom, and i'm alan rickard our guest this week is james burroughs now well where do we start well i mean you had a good introductory point firstly well i uh james burroughs uh and correct me if I'm wrong with any of this, but uh, co-created Cheers, uh, did a lot of directing on Taxi, uh, did ever directed every episode of Will and Grace. Uh, he's done Friends, Wings, which is actually my brother's favorite sitcom. Oh wow! Yeah, I, <laughs> I hope I never meet him. <laughs> Don't worry, he lives far away, and I'll tell him not to visit. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Mike and Molly, The Big Bang Theory, and. Uh, one of our very personal favorites, News Radio. The Tortellis. Oh, oh, oh right. <laughs> that's okay. So I was wrong. We're talking about the wrong show. Um, no, I did the Tortellis. I know you did. <laughs> so, well, you had the best well, first question, which is how we found out about it. Oh, about News Radio? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Why don't you I, ask it? Yeah, I was just kind of wondering, uh, like, when they approached you to direct News Radio, like, had you met the cast before? Have you ever, uh, did you, what did you think of the script? Uh, I I do all my pilots based on the script. I uh, <clears throat> I rarely um, sign on to a pilot based on the writer. Mm-hmm. I usually have to read the script because uh, the idea is not paramount to me. It's the execution of an idea that appeals to me. So uh, they NBC sent me the script. I think it was I did it in ninety five. I think January of ninety five and. Uh, so NBC sent me the script, and um, I really liked it. So I wanted to meet Paul, mm-hmm. and uh, Paul and I hit it off. So, uh, but I, I, I usually base it on the on the script. Okay. I love the premise of the first show. No, uh, this is just listening to the commentaries, like because uh, uh, Paul Sims was saying, and uh, the other guys were saying that uh, Dave Foley or Dave at the end of the episode, like he has this big moment where he kind of 
shows his authority. That wasn't originally in there until you you came along. They said. Uh, I I don't. <laughs> I you know I do I contribute a lot. Mm-hmm. I have a, a an axiom for what I do and what I contribute, and I say fifty uh, percent of what I contribute is great, mm-hmm. and fifty percent is shit. And it's your job to figure out which is which, because I'm I'm very fertile when it comes to that. I, I, I contribute a lot of stuff. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it does work. So I I don't. It's been it's been a while since uh, I did the show, so I I don't remember. Uh, sure. Uh, but uh, it sounds like that was probably me. Yeah. yeah we figured we felt that Dave had to take had mm-hmm. to show his authority because he was. Shit on the entire episode. Is this a cable? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's internet. So you say whatever the hell you want. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, it, so uh, we felt that he had to show some strength mm-hmm. because he's badgered. You know, I mean, the premise to me of a guy gets again gets hired and has to fire the guy who was in the spot previously was very appealing to me. Yeah. And Paul told me that happened to him. So. Wow. Yeah. That I did not know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so there from the very beginning, were you involved in the casting too? Yes. Woof. Okay. So, <laughs> no, that's just crazy to me because it, to me it's one of the best casts ever. Uh, I mean, I from what I understand, Bill uh, Phil Hartman was a given. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where did everybody else come from? Uh, I don't remember. I mean, uh, I back in those days, I was really busy doing. Uh, I was doing Friends back then, and mm-hmm. Caroline in the City, and. Uh, other shows I was doing Frasier mm-hmm. so I would be brought in to in casting later on in the process when they had called it down or Paul would talk to me about certain people um, so I don't remember where everybody came from you know Maura Maura I had known uh, from auditioning her before mm-hmm. Andy I'd never heard of uh, uh, Candy I'd never heard of um Stephen Root, I, I, you know, I didn't know, and uh, uh, so I, I would give the preponderance of casting to, to Paul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, just kind of curious too, um, in regards to that, they they talked about how they were all very nervous for the show and how much rehearsal they went into it, like weeks before. Uh, are you guys just steps in when they start filming and you're you're ready to go, or do you are you involved with that process like beforehand? The, with with what the uh, uh, just with like the, the pilot episode like before they went into it the actual film oh yeah well when I, I rehearse it uh, okay. I, yeah I you know I, we start with a reading and mm-hmm. then there's a rewrite based on the reading and then that rewrite comes the next day and then I I block it and I you know um, I move people around the set and mm-hmm. use the set as much as I can and uh, create stuff or not create stuff try to make stuff work and stuff like that so we had three or four days of rehearsal before we go. I always do, on every pilot, I always do a test audience, which I uh, have one camera rolling, mm-hmm. and the audience, you know, it's when the network comes and the studio comes to see the show, and, uh, you know, I want to hear if the audience understands the show, if they're laughing at it. So I always do that. It's about three days before I shoot. What uh, in, in some, I know what a writer's because I'm more of a writer. I know what a writer's brain goes through if something doesn't necessarily work with an audience. What does your director's brain do? Is it the same thing or I blame it on the writer? All right, good. Yeah, that's, 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 <laughs> have you ever like have you ever based off a laugh though changed blocking or changed uh, anything else like that? Like 
more director's territory stuff? No. Uh, I pretty well, you know, I know how to block to make the joke work mm -hmm. as best as possible. Uh, but um, I don't, sometimes I'll change blocking depending on what the rewrite is. Mm -hmm. Or if a, if Paul had a note about he felt this 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 little sequence plays better here, you know, I'll I'll, I'll look at it and try to try to um, try to make it work for him because it, my my job I'm not the writer my job is to protect the writer's vision. Sure. Mm -hmm. So that's why uh, uh, that's why I get hired all the time. What what for you determines how long you stick around with a show? Um. Uh, it's it's my choice. Mm -hmm. I, I you know I have uh, I've I've back then I think I was doing a lot of Frasier, so mm -hmm. I couldn't. Although I did seven news radio, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I I enjoy myself. I enjoy myself. I like to stay with a show. Mm -hmm. And I had a I had a good time on the show. It was uh, I had fun. It was it was outrageous. It was you know Paul Paul's a really good writer and he has an outrageous sense of humor. So. Uh, uh, I had a, I had a good time on that show. Did you see the show much after after you stopped working on it? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I was curious how much of a watcher you are. No, I'm not a watcher at all. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not. I don't take busman's holidays. Right. I don't. You know, I, I rarely. I, I'm a sports guy when I go home watch television, uh, or I'm a drama guy. I don't watch a lot of comedies. Wow. Mm. You. I'm sorry. I've interrupted you twelve times, Alan. You had another. Question. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> I lost my spot. Who you lost your spot? Well, I don't think I have one. Oh, oh you know what? Actually, uh, I just got to bring this up. Because <laughs> uh, the, the the smoking episode that you directed, uh, I don't know if you remember that or not, but... Uh, yeah, trying to quit. Phil trying to quit smoking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is one of my favorites, but... Uh, there. There's a line in that they said that you actually added, which was when Dave and Bill at the end hug, and this line I've heard quoted from many people. Uh, <laughs> Bill says, if you ever tell anyone about Steel Magnolias, I'll kill you. <laughs> Take a robot not to cry at that movie. Now, <laughs> did you... <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. Phil was fertile, too. Phil was mm -hmm. funny. It's a shame we have to say was. Right. Uh, but, you know, Phil was... You know, what he did, my, my only goal, I remember with Phil, my only goal was to try to make sure that Phil wasn't as presentational as he was. Okay. Mm -hmm. In, you know, because he was in Saturday Night Live and all that kind of pre... So I, you know, in subtle ways, I tried to make him, you know, more of an ensemble actor. So mm -hmm. that was my goal there. How do you approach that with somebody as big as he is? In terms of personality, not that he... There are, there are ways that they don't even know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. There are ways. I will not give out my secret. <laughs> uh, do you? Uh, sorry, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, do you find like uh, when you're meeting new cast that hasn't been on a show before? Do you, do you find? Uh, what do you have to do to like calm their nerves if there is any? Well, you you know you after the reading, I actually meet with the cast and we talk. Uh, I remember on Cheers, we spent one day, one whole day talking. We sat around that bar talking about our characters and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but. At that point, I had some, you know, I had some rep because I had done Friends, and I had done Frasier, and I had done Cheers, and there was a couple other shows. I had done Night Court, so I was getting a rep so that people would uh, listen to me when I talked. And 
you know, directors have a, especially in my field, in the situation comedy field, multi-camera, they tend sometimes to be traffic cops and are disrespected. Mm-hmm. So uh, with, my, with my track record, I was not disrespected, so I have this ability that they trust me and they'll walk the comic plank for me. And uh, we, um, you know, that's what I do. I try to make everybody feel like they're a part of a family and I want them to like one another when we're rehearsing and support one another so that that comes across when they're performing. Um, do you, do you, I'm guessing, do you still like, get like a, a lot of calls? Or it seems like whenever like a new show is starting, it almost, like you're, you're the go-to guy for, for sitcoms. Um, is your phone like still off the hook today or how does that No, happen? today's uh, not, uh, it'll start in January when they start developing shows for next year. Okay. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll send me, I get all the pilots and uh, I only, and I only do a multi-camera. I don't do a single camera. I'm not, I don't see the world that way. Uh, um, the camera is not a character for me. The camera is uh, a pair of eyes that is capturing a live stage performance. So uh, my phone will start ringing in January and February. Okay. So for you then, it sounds like blocking and camera placement are just so we can see what we need to yeah, see. Yeah, that's right. It's never let's play games with the camera. Not to, I'm not trying to insult single camera, but I, it, it is just strictly a service. Yeah, there's been a couple of you know in Taxi I did this move. I had you know this camera move. It was in a boxing ring in one of uh, Tony Danza's shows uh-huh. when he was in boxing ring. I did this pullback from a speed bag, and it was I didn't know what I was doing. It <laughs> turned out great. So. <laughs> Uh, but a lot of times now you can't do these artistic shots because there's, you're telling a story in 22, in 20 and a half minutes. Back in those days it was 26, 27 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can't do that. You can't, you don't have any time. You know, there's no more theme songs because there's no time for it. Yeah. So uh, I, I, you know, for me the, uh, you know, sometimes I'll push in or I'll pull back or stuff like that, but it's no... It's not about uh, the camera being a character like it is for Steve, for Spielberg or Scorsese or somebody like that. Right. Now, uh, when you are doing these, uh, when you're directing these, I'm, I'm curious. Has there been like several occasions where you kind of like think to yourself, like, I don't understand why this show didn't take off because it's uh, like it was one of your favorites or something like that. Um, does that happen often? Or? No, it doesn't happen often. Uh, uh, you know, I've done a number of pilots that, uh, with the aid of smoke and mirrors, they've looked really good. Mm-hmm. But once they get on, if they get on the air, it's it's a train wreck. So I know about those. I think the only pilot, the only show I ever did that I felt should have gone longer was a show called The Class, which was a show written by David Crane after Friends. Mm-hmm with Jeffrey Clarick, his partner. That was brilliant to me, and I had a great cast, and it just got somehow, CBS didn't, I felt didn't give it enough time. It was a really funny show, and David's a brilliant writer, so I think that's the only show that I think that that should have been given more of a chance. Do you have, I, I, this is going to be hard to, to judge since, again, you say you're not a watcher and you didn't, you know, you're not, you've got no reason to continue watching once you're, you've done your work on the show. 
do you have any perspective, maybe even from hearing it from other people, why news radio kind of got the shaft? Even though Five Seasons is not a horrible run, uh, it, you know, it ended in a weird place. I don't think it ever was a big hit. Right. You know, so it was kind of one of those shows that went along like that. Like Third Rock is another show I did. That yeah. Was, that was, mm-hmm. you know, did huge in the beginning and then kind of fell off at this level. And back then, uh, you had, there, there were basically four networks back then. There was no cable of any uh, of any merit back then, and uh, uh, so I just you know they got they got tired of it. You know they it wasn't bringing in the numbers. They had to put another show in there that brought in the numbers. Was it too weird? Do we think? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it was a weird show. I mean, you had a weird bunch of people on it, and uh, uh, but it was it was funny, and uh, I just. You know, I think that's what happens sometimes. Yeah. The shows run out of steam. Sure. Mm-hmm. No, but news radio was a different. You know, Paul was uh, he was on the Gary Shandling show, which mm-hmm. was a kind of strange show, and Paul has a strange sense of humor, and it might have been ahead of its time. Uh, you know, I, I I never thought about that. Okay. But it just, I, I just don't think. I'm not sure there was a relationship on that show, that sucked the people in mm-hmm. you know it was it was funny and everything like that but I don't think there was a a dynamic relationship there was no Sam and Diane or mm-hmm. Fraser and Niles on that show too you know or Ross or Rachel that suck sucked the people in that could have been part of the problem I, 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 I don't you know that's just a personal opinion. I don't know whether it's true or not. So even with ensemble, you think it's best that there's at least one magnetic. Well, there's somebody you got to you want to watch, you know, sure. or there's a relationship you want to watch, or uh, you know, I mean, news radio would be a big hit if it was on the air now, because mm-hmm. you don't need the numbers you needed back then. Right. But uh, you know, it it could be. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, it's a little hard. Even even in even in uh, hindsight, it's it's hard to. Um, you know, I. <laughs> It's funny. Is it? Is, am I reading correctly online that you got your start in television by writing a letter? I did. Yeah. So, I'm not going to say you had it easy, uh, but no, I am wondering though. Like, from what was your what was your reason for wanting to work in comedy? What was your experience before then, and why do you still love to do it? Uh, I was. I, I, I'm a theater brat. I was born. In, I was brought up in the theater. My father was Abe Burroughs, mm-hmm. and so I was trundled to, you know, rehearsals of How to Succeed, rehearsals mm-hmm. of Cactus Flower, 40 Carats. So I was around my father's work uh, uh, a lot of the time. And uh, when I went to, when I got out of college, it was the Vietnam War, so I, I, I didn't want to go overseas, along with a lot of other people, so I went to graduate school, and the only one I could get into was Yale, graduate school of drama because my father got me in uh-huh. and so then I started to direct a little bit there there was a professor named Nico Sakharopoulos who was a directing professor and I you know I I got to say oh well, this is what my dad does See, not only he's a writer but he's this director mm-hmm. so I got that and then I got out and I started to work in the theater I just you know because he got me a job and then yeah I was a stage manager and I as a stage manager, you direct the understudies, so mm-hmm. it was a natural progression. I had, I did this show, 40 Carats, that my dad wrote, and uh, 
it starred Julie Harrison, and she left, and Jaja Gabor came in. Wow. So I directed Jaja, and she really liked me. And after the sh after it was over, she would do forty carats in different theaters, and they would always call me because I could wrangle her. <laughs> and so that's really how I that's really how I got my start. It's, I literally went in my dad's business. I had no passion or or drive to be a director. It was mm -hmm. just I was in my dad's business. So and uh, it turned out I was. I, you know, I, I was good at it, so that's literally how I got in. Yeah, it, that's so funny. I mean, I, it's just it's funny to me too. Like again, it's not necessarily falling into it, but you did have some some considerable pushing along the way. Yeah, where at some point, at some point, obviously, you could have just said, "Well, screw it, I'm done." What is what's the love of it at the core, and has it been there since the beginning, or did it turn into a love from just having an aptitude? Uh it turns out I knew what made something funny and I could create funny stuff and you know you can't learn that I just that's inherent in me and uh, uh, as I would do these plays in Summerstock I would do these classical comedies like all Neil Simon and I would do never too late and I would do uh, uh, goodbye Charlie and all these plays and I found myself contributing jokes to it and sight gags so I, I knew I had this kind of knack for making the piece better than what it was or adding to it, although the Neil Simon plays were great, but just being able to add a joke occasionally to a Neil Simon piece was, was great. You know, I'm sure the uh, the Dramatist Guild would arrest me for me saying that because <laughs> you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just, it, it, makes, me, it makes me happy. I, I like to hear an audience laugh. I, uh, you know, on Friday night when we shoot the show in front of an audience, it's very gratifying to hear, to hear an audience laugh. And, but it's from a different, and as actors, I mean, I, it's different for us. It's an ego thing for me, and I don't know if it's the same for a director. Is it? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, you get, you know, you you get nachets from this, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I, that's why I, you know I do like the Tuesday nights. It's very gratifying. Mm -hmm. it's, it feeds your ego. It, uh, it uh, hopefully it doesn't swell my head. I try to, <laughs> I try to control that. But, but uh, I, I enjoy it, and to, you know, it's to me, it's a little bit like a basketball player who, you know, gets a lot, gets uh, money and uh, and uh, knock is from playing a game. To me, this is a game. Yeah. And I love to play the game and. Uh, it's great that at my age I can still play the game. Yeah. Uh, is there a, a second dream job if you could have done, you would have done? No, I don't think so. That's the perfect answer. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> that is How many points does he have so far? Uh, Thirty-five. That's our highest score, so that's good. Yeah. Um, you know what? I. It's funny because I was thinking about this today. Uh, in looking at your <laughs> IMDb, IMDb doesn't have everything, obviously, right? And I'm looking through, it and I realize every time I've pitched a show, it's always been, oh well, you know, it's like, well, if, if news radio and Cheers had a baby, or like if this and that, and like it's it's inevitable that I'm running into your shows. And then if I if I go back a little bit further, they're all going to be the reason this interview happened is because the very lovely Jay Sandrich was kind enough to contact oh. you for me. Um, sweetheart of a man, I'm just curious what what you learned from him since you worked with him from the beginning. Uh, when I first 
I so I'll start with the letter. I uh, I got into the television business from a letter because one of my stage managing jobs, an assistant stage managing job, was on uh, an ill-fated musical called Breakfast at Tiffany's. My dad wrote, mm -hmm. and it starred Richard, uh, Richard Chamberlain and Mary Tyler Moore. So it was a complete and utter disaster. My father was let go. I stayed on, saw it through. We played four previews in New York City. It was hooted off. The, we were, everybody was hooted off the stage. So I became wow. kind of close with Mary because mm -hmm. we were in a lifeboat. So I wrote a letter to Grant Tinker, and uh, who she was married to then, and they mm -hmm. brought me out to do one show. And it was 1974, and I got to observe Jay Sandridge. And he took me under his wing, and uh, we became friends. Uh, uh, so we hung out a lot together. He married Jay. Jay married my first wife's best friend. So Jay and I were very were very close. Mm -hmm. And I learned from him the ability that he had, and Mary Tyler Moore, to say what he thought about the script and in front of the writers, because it's an incredibly writers-driven media. They run everything. They cast the show, they are producers, they do the costumes, they do everything. So, uh, but Jay stood up for what he believed, and sometimes he was right, sometimes he was wrong. So when watching him, I saw him do that, so that's what I, you know, I didn't do it like Jay, because Jay had a reputation. It took me a while to be able to do it as much as Jay did, but I would contribute in ways that I could, um, not being not being aggressive, but by being subtle and playing by the rules. So that's what I learned. Uh, that's what I learned from Jay. He was incredibly helpful. He showed up at my first show, and uh, you know it was. Uh, I'll never forget that moment. I I I was doing my first show. I was nervous as all I, I could be, and. We were doing a scene, and Ted Knight came in, and he flubbed a line, three or four lines in. And I said, okay, let's back it up to Mary's line. And all of a sudden, I heard from the booth, back it up from Ted's entrance. Because Jay was up there, and he knew I couldn't, I couldn't edit the show. If, I couldn't edit it if I backed it up to Mary's line so yeah. so it, it was literally the voice of God Whoa. coming down oh and and talking to me and so you know I'm eternally grateful for him for just really guiding me and helping me You're, this is just occurring to me now you directed Ted Knight and Phil Hartman those two characters <laughs> those are I easily didn't. the two greatest anchors in, in, in sitcom history is there any comparison between them as actors I'm interested now uh, no, they were, they could do that voice. You're right, right. <laughs> that was a huge part of it. Yeah. I mean, there, there, I mean, there's that sort of, that bastard with a heart of gold since Bilko that's been at least my favorite character on the show, even if they're not the most lovable. Is that, I mean, are, are there archetypes you like to work with? Because they all seem to be there on news radio, but I, I mean, I... You know, you could easily say that that might be Sam on Cheers, but Cheers, he's also got his own different lovability and different upsetting quirks, like, you know, you know, quirk being an alcoholic, but that's not, not exactly a quirk. It's a, but, you know, I'm just curious if there are certain archetypes that you are, that you like to work with, or if no, you care. No, I don't care. I don't care. If I can, you know, I, you, you try to cast a show with the best actors available to play the parts, 
you try to meld them together into one form of humanity of this you know again they like one another you know they'll and if they like one another that will translate and come over the screen so I you know there isn't uh, any particular archetype that I, I, I like to work with I like funny mm-hmm. there, that's, that's a good archetype yeah, yeah. yeah I like that that's just helpful <laughs> um when you think back to directing your, your, your first show and, and the nerves that you had compared to now, um, I'm just wondering, do you still get nervous on like a new show? No. That's perfect. No. <laughs> I'm nervous. The only thing, I'm nervous for the writers because I'm not going to get shit anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so I'm, 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 tr- I'm, I'm trying to protect them as much as I can because, you know, television is a imitative business it's not a, a innovative business so if the writers have some innovative stuff in a show the network most of the time will try to homogenize it because they don't know really from innovative they only know from what's been on before so I will try to protect the innovative stuff you know and that was no more apparent than on Will and Grace you know to protect the 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 gayness and the ability to do those jokes yeah. and you know and and do them and do them outrageously and you know to let the people to let let the network understand that because you had Will and Grace at the center of that show Jack and Karen could be outrageous and it was a big fight right. it was a big fight for, you know for a while. And, uh, you know, then they began to see, oh, yeah, they are funny. Oh, I get it. So if you listen to them, sometimes you'll, you'll homogenize the show, and everybody will be likable at every moment, which is bad, because you want, you want an arc where a guy, you meet a guy, he'll do some good things, all of a sudden he'll do a bad thing, and then at the end he's redeemed. Mm-hmm. If he's good, 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 good all the way through, yeah, you haven't got any drama. Right. Or if he's bad, you haven't got any drama. There's no surprise. So these are things that you have to fight for a lot of the time. That was going to be my question. Is, how do you, how, is there a way to innovate and hide it? Or do you not hide it and just make it as obvious as possible? Or is there a deft mix of the two? Oh, what you mean? When I say, I'm sorry, do you, are you couching stuff that is, is new and interesting and innovative in something that looks familiar and they won't question, or do you just make it as obvious as possible and then, like you say, fight yeah, for it? Yeah, you have to make it obvious. You have to make the innovation obvious, and then, and then you know, hopefully they'll, they'll let you do it, although the networks are becoming much more powerful now mm-hmm. because they not only air the show, but they produce the show. Now. Right. So... It's, it's, it's much more difficult. Whereas then it was a lot more, one studio will make it and we'll yeah. sell it to whatever studio mm-hmm. will take it, or whatever network will take it. Sorry, you had a question, Alan. Or several. Oh, I, I lost it there. So I'm sorry. <laughs> You're all good. Um, uh, it's funny, you had the, the, the fight for that stuff on, on Will and Grace, those jokes, because I feel like that was kind of a stepping stone. I feel like that's just, that's anyone can do that kind of stuff now, like that kind of humor. As far as uh, it's not as risque now as it was mm-hmm. then, um, are, are you are you still like running into that stuff uh, on, on new shows? As far as like risky stuff happening, that you uh, not so much risky stuff, but much more uh, with uh, uh, all the characters being likable at every moment because they're so right. 
test oriented. They like to test the shows. When the dials go down, the dials go up. They're afraid when the dials go down. And, you know, to me, they can go down as long as they go up at the end. Mm -hmm. So that's what you're constantly fighting for. There's always these notes about make him likable, he's unlikable here, or she's unlikable here. So it's a, it's a battle. I mean, they're, they're also, the networks are also, they also give good notes too. You know, sometimes you you can't see the forest for the trees. So here's a, a viewer who's seen the show for the first time, your network executive, and they'll, they'll say this, and maybe, okay, maybe it isn't clear. So you have to attend to that problem. In your in your metaphor, this whole thing is a game. Then, are, do network notes count as really stru- like difficult to deal with teammates, or are they the opposing team? I'm curious, like where that is. No, they're they're teammates. Yeah, and you you know you listen again. You listen to them again, but as a writer, you have to feel internally that the note is correct or the note is incorrect. And you you know they'll they'll if if you don't feel the note is is right, they'll they'll respect you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to ask more news radio questions, but as you said, you know you do a lot, and you've continued to do a lot. This is twenty one years ago. Are there any specific memories of news radio that you might want to talk about? So that that just about the production of the show. I mean, I would say only seven episodes, but that's at least seven weeks of work plus. So. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I, I remember mostly about the pilot. Mm-hmm. I remember I shot it. The pilot took me an hour and 15 minutes to shoot, which is a record for me because it was two scenes. Yeah, right. And it was one, one you know, and the cameras rolled for the whole first act and the cameras rolled for the whole second act. And that was back when there was film. It was, it, it's not electronic like it is now. Mm-hmm. So you had 12 minutes of film in the camera, so... I rehearsed a lot. Uh, again, I never cut unless there was a technical problem or something like that. And the show flowed. The actors were great. And we went into the bathroom. I remember Stevie Root and David were in the bathroom together. And uh, we went up into the newsroom uh, a few times. Uh, all the internal stuff in the newsroom, I think I pre-shot just to uh, have some ability to change the editing and stuff like mm. that but it you know it had a flow to it I remember it took me an hour 15 minutes I also remember the, all the friends kids came to the pilot they were um, for some reason they wanted to see the pilot and I said okay so I brought the six and that was 95 I think I shot it 95 yeah and am I right yeah yeah I think yeah. so yeah, yeah. yeah yeah definitely and they were just you know they weren't like huge then because mm. They went on the air in 94. And so they came and uh, they watched. They sat on the side. Uh, uh, and uh, I remember it going really well and everybody liking it. Uh, and uh, I, I, I remember that. I don't remember, I don't remember too many other shows. I know I get a check occasionally for a show named after a Led Zeppelin album. <laughs> what is it? What is there's, so, or there was, was it? half an entire season <laughs> where there were Led Zeppelin. Oh, really? Yes, yes. You're, that might have been season I, two, which might mean yeah. Oh, what was well, that? on on the IMDb, it said it, I, you you directed it was either two or three of the actual Zeppelin titled episodes. That's funny. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
See this, I didn't. Know I didn't. I don't remember it. <laughs> What's the name of? I can't remember. It. One, one yeah, was Led Zeppelin two, and I think I don't know if the other one was Zoso, but we'll Zoso. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> yeah, that was it. So I get a check from Zoso. I have no idea what it is, but uh, I, I I remember. I don't remember too. I don't remember too much else about it. Mm-hmm. I remember the smoking episode a little bit. Mm-hmm. I remember Phil and, and Dave seen down at the uh, down at the desk, but I I, I don't have uh, I don't well, have that many memories. There is a I, moment though in in that particular th- the a that's my first or second favorite episode. Uh, B, uh, there's a moment that is probably my favorite episode in the whole sh- uh, moment in the whole show, um, and that is where. Phil Hartman is standing there, Dave is talking to him, and he's just nodding in agreement. And then he blows out a giant puff of smoke to admit that he's done so. And I don't, I don't know if you remember anything about that, or if that was you. I just want to know, like, if there was any physical, if there were any physical gags that were you, or probably just written into the script, but I do want to know if you had any hand in it. I do not know. You do not know. I Please never take, uh, you know, it's always, people always ask me who thought of that. Sure. And I never, I never, even if I know, I never say. It's all of yeah. yeah, yeah. It's all people, you know, combining and getting their heads together to make the funniest show possible. So, well, just gonna go back to the the, the pilot because you said you remember, and you cut you shot it in record time. Uh, I just gotta say how impressive that is for that particular episode. Of the entire time, you are following Dave around. Like it just feels like one mm-hmm. big walk. It is mm-hmm. all the way around and. I guess I, I don't know how you guys did it, but that was that was amazing. Though. <laughs> also, like a lot of the shows you, <clears throat> and maybe I'm just noticing it, and maybe it's in more shows than yours. But like mm-hmm. just the space that you work in, like you, there's so much depth to the news radio set, to the Cheers set, especially. Um, is that something that you like to work in more, or do you? Oh uh, well, the news radio had one set, so mm-hmm. you try to make it as interesting as possible. And Cheers had one set, Taxi had one set. Yeah. So. Uh, in those kind of shows, you try to make the set as interesting as possible. Like in this show I'm doing now, Matt show, you have three or four sets, so it's it's you can't make them as interesting because you need to fit all the other sets on the stage. But uh, I, 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 you know, I, I got, you know, you had, there was some choreographing to be done because there's desks in the way and you have mm-hmm. to have a place that the cameras can go. And uh, But um, I do remember, I have fond memories of that. I don't remember. I remember the. I think my favorite uh, is the uh, Siegfried and Roy run in that show in the pilot when Jimmy James. Yes, that line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Siegfried. No, Roy. That yes, that's the one. one. Yeah, that's <laughs> a solid line. Oh my god. I mean, well, that was Paul. I mean, yeah, yeah, Well, yeah. it was Paul and Joe Fury, mm-hmm. and uh, Josh Leap Leap, mm-hmm. who runs. Seth Meyers now? Or, oh, I think so, yeah. Or one of those late night shows. Mm-hmm. Was it, uh, was it fun watching, like, because, God, they're probably in their mid to late 20s at that point. Is it fun watching these scared young writers? Or is it make it, you just make your job harder? What do you mean? <laughs> I, because I bet there had to have been a lot of panic. There had to have been a lot of reverence for you. There had to have been a lot of excitement that, hey, we're getting a check. And there had to have been a lot of just, like, Again, more panic, I think, on top of that. And I just, it's because it, you just said, you know, your job is to make their stuff work or at the very least, you know, help it work. Uh, and then, but you're, like you said, you're also afraid for the writers. Yeah, I mean, 
you want you want people to write scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean that helps. Uh, you 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 know, if you have confidence, you're not as good a writer. Uh, if you think you you know, if you think you got the world dicked and you you had one hit, so you had one hit, you can make another hit. Those are the kind of guys you have to worry about mm-hmm. because they're putting the cart before the horse. But these were young scared writers and you, you like to keep them scared and you know you want their best material mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know Paul Paul had day night reversal Paul would sleep all day and you know uh, he would wake up at noon or something oh like that he hated me because I you know I have early run throughs mm-hmm. so but he got used he got used to it I, I don't know he would he would he would talk about it he Paul's doing uh, I don't know what he's doing now New York mm-hmm. got a couple of kids and he's writing so I talked to Julie Bean who used to be a secretary mm-hmm. did you talk to Julie not yet we want to get her you on should talk to Julie she yeah, knows I all, know she's got a lot of stories oh my god she was Paul's secretary back then uh-huh. she's a great writer now but she was Paul you know we, we we always talk about Paul and I'm always inquiring about him but uh, she's a, she'd be a great person to talk to yeah I do want to get her on yeah. the show that's 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 the other thing too. It's just like wanting to know from all these different perspectives. It's funny too to listen to you say, you know, like if you've got somebody like you said who's had that hit and is like, well, whatever I write's going to be, you know, gold. Um, is it make it that much easier for you to just leave something when you are satisfied with having worked on it? So you can accept that you've had a hit, but you can't act like you you can't treat the whole world like it's yours, right? You just have to keep going. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, uh, is what you're saying, give me that again. Um, it, does it, is it easier for you to jump from one show to another, one show that you, you like and enjoy, or at least enjoyed your experience on, to another? Is it easier because, as you said, just acting like you own it is just, it would make it a lot harder to be good at your job? No, I don't think so. What is that? That's my phone. Wait a minute. Is it? <laughs> my agent go fuck yourself <laughs> um uh, i don't uh i no I, I mean i when i was doing cheers i was that was you know i did nothing else i did mm-hmm. occasional pilots but i never did another uh show now like with matt show i'm doing probably six or seven of the first 13 but I'm going to do a reshoot of a pilot next week, and then I'm going to do a pilot for Chuck Lorre. So I don't feel like it's not one of my babies here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm loyal to Matt. I love Matt. We, we're, we're dear friends, and I'm going to do like the first five out of six so I can get the show going, but I don't mind mm-hmm. moving moving other places. But does that keep I, you creative, though? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because I get creative when I move to another show. That's what I figured. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, you're the the show man with a plan. Um, I was in a groundlings class, and uh, I'm friends with. Him. I haven't talked to him in a while, but uh, Matt Cook. Uh, yeah. Is a, he. If you ever get a chance, because he's one funny sob. If you ever get a chance, because I saw him doing a groundling show, uh, have him improv Shakespeare to see what happens. Oh. <laughs> really. That's I was life. baffled. Like uh, that's a skill. I, that was probably skill, but that was I was baffled how well he did that. Like 
Wow. It was just like a suggestion Shakespeare. He's like, okay, and he just like monologues it, and I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, he's Michael Patrick King's nephew. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh wow. They, uh, when I first met Matt, I said, Jesus, he looks exactly. Like, he talks like Michael. Looks like he's Michael. Michael was at the show last week, and so I had no idea. And there, he's really funny, Matt. Yeah. This is a weird question. What are your thoughts on very special episodes of sitcoms? You don't see they don't seem like your cup of tea. Mm-hmm. No. Where are, are those network based usually? Mm-hmm. Yeah, entirely. Mm-hmm. I remember the, the the family ties where they went to Europe, and I'm like, what? This this, this doesn't seem that. like an episode. This is just what is going on. <laughs> is it is it for you though? Is it do you want to see that the thing you're talking about earlier? Do you want to see that unlikableness for a little bit because you want to see the redemption? Is it? Oh like, yeah, that's the joy of it. Yeah, yeah. Every episode. Yeah, you know, I mean, you want happiness, happiness. Then you want the, you know, like in this show here, you know, Matt and it's Matt and his wife, and the wife goes back to work. Matt has to take care of the kids, although he works too. So you want them to you know talk and be in love in the first scene and then have a fight and then resolve the fight that's just you know boy and girl together boy and girl fight boy and girl back together again it's just it's classic storytelling so uh that's important otherwise the whole episode is just flat like that Mm -hmm. there's no tension or anything do you would you watch any single camera stuff or like you said your brain doesn't you don't see the world that way so does that just turn you I, off I watch Curb okay mm. I watch I like that show but that's two cameras mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I don't watch a lot of uh, again comedy. I'm a sports mm-hmm. guy I watch, yeah. I watch more sports and uh, you know right now I'm watching the greatest reality show in the world which is uh, the election <laughs> yeah so uh, there's, yeah, I, the, about that. <laughs> I know. That, you know, when those debates goes on, nobody's. It's going to get a huge, huge number. It's crazy, but uh, you know that's a problem now because the reality is, the reality is stranger than fiction. Mm-hmm. Now, so, well, I do. You have any more questions? Because I ran out of ones that I'd written down. Um, and I'm not very creative on my feet. That's not mm-hmm. um, you, You've been doing fantastic. Thank you so I'm much. Give you a you really thank you. How many points do I have on that paper? By the way? Uh, 34. You're right behind. Okay. All right. That's fine. <laughs> um, I just got. I'm gonna get a shout out. Uh, I have a indie director producer friend who's doing. He's doing pretty well. Uh, Mitch Yapko. He. Uh, I remember years ago. Um, <laughs> we were watching an episode of Cheers. He paused it at the end. He said. See that, uh, Jim Burroughs? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, someday that's going to be me. Like, that's that's what I want. Wow. <laughs> well, so, wow. It, it's a good thank case. you for that. A, that's a solid goal to have. Yeah. B, does that also mean? Can you confirm? Is that you behind the glass at the end of the, ep- uh, the last episode of Cheers? No. They said it was online. Those mother. Those no. Who's trying to get into the bar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that. In fact, that's the guy who just called me. That's Bob Broder. Uh-huh. Bob Broder was uh, our agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glenn, uh, the Charles Brothers, my agent, mm-hmm. and he put us together when we were in taxi. He put us together and said, "You guys ought to do your own show." Wow! And so that was we symbolically. Bob didn't want the show to end, mm-hmm. so that's him knocking on the glass. Wow! 
That's amazing. Well, <laughs> screw you, Internet. You're completely <laughs> wrong. Um, well, thank you very, yeah, very absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. This has been... Absolutely. Uh, are there... What? Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. you say it. Uh, no, I was just going to say thank you for your time. I hope you got to have lunch and whatever. Oh, it yeah. Feel Believe terrible me. if you didn't. Believe me. <laughs> I got a pass of lunch for us to have. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, we're not going to do our normal sign-off anyway, but just James Burroughs, thank you so much for thank you so much. Thank you, guys. This has been a blast. It was, it, I had fun, too. I, I hope so. Uh, I, I'll do subsequent episodes. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast, is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Alan Rickert and Jason Klom, and our theme song was composed and performed by Michael Warden. Have questions? Call and leave us a voicemail at 646-801-WNYX or email us at freakzilla at scopenet.com. Please subscribe to Dispatches from Fort Awesome on iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WNYX News Radio. Visit stolendress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. Big day today, Dave. Hey Alan, did you know that we have a sponsor this week? We do. And, Who is it? Uh, it's 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 a it's a little ice cream joint slash truck. <gasps> is it? It's a joint. It, it's a truck. It, what I'm saying is, it's an ice cream truck. When I say joint, it's a traveling, floating, floating, Frozen, driving. Yeah. It's called CVT Soft Serve. Is what I'm saying. CVT Soft Serve. I love that stuff. That's the best. That's actually the best ice cream I've ever had. It is. Me too. Um, and I normally don't like soft serve, but this is the best ice cream I've ever had. It absolutely is. They and they're very simple in terms of your choices. You've got your vanilla. You got mm-hmm. your chocolate. You've got your twist. Yep. And that's basically it. But you can also add. Sprinkles, sea, sea salt, and sprinkles, sea salt, and sometimes uh, he will actually put the ice cream in coffee, which I gotta say is one of the most fantastic things I've ever had. Yeah, it's upsettingly delicious. It's, like, it really is. I was supposed to go get some last night, and mm-hmm. I'm angry with myself I didn't go. I'm angry at you that Thank you didn't you. go. You, you didn't be. tell me about it. I know. You jerk. I know. I'm the worst. Jeez. So if you guys go to cvtsoftserve.com, you can find it there. Follow them on Instagram, yeah. though, like and Twitter, at uh, cvtsoftserve. That's your best bet, because they're very active and very funny on Twitter. And tell uh, and, and say hi to Joe, who's actually who's really awesome. He owns a truck, and he... Uh, friend of the show. Friend of the show. He's and, in a drinking uh, game with us. Yeah, tell him, tell him, tell him uh, we sent you. Yeah, please do. Uh, and you'll get the news radio discount, which is a wink. Yeah, he will give you a wink. He'll give you a wink. Okay, we got to make a note to Joe to tell, tell him, him to, to wink at the news radio fans. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, guys, check out CVT Soft Service. <laughs>